You once told me that you wanted to change the world. I wrote and illustrated a book. Double threat. The book business is all about self-promotion. Oh, I've been promoting it. Girl, I told you no more posters in my room. Okay. I've been approached about placing you in a fake celebrity relationship. I'll make Mikey jealous. He's this close to dumping Andrew and running to me like those losers in the Olympics. Oh my God, this makes me want to go back and watch the show <laughs> that I totally stopped watching. <laughs> Welcome to Court Killers, the show about watching the stuff you love, when you want, where you want, however you want. I'm Tom Merritt. Hey man, uh, uh, what is it about a thing going away that suddenly makes us want to appreciate the thing? Uh, why, why can't we appreciate the thing right in the middle of having the thing? Proxim you because you don't know what you got until it's gone, Brian. Oh, yep, uh, yep, bird yep. in the hand is worth two in the bush. Fair enough. And other fair cliches. Enough. Uh, because what's funny is I like I have really good feelings about the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and uh, and and just for some reason, just knowing that it's ending has me want to dive in and and remember what those feelings are. I think there's something to the idea that it will always be there that keeps you from watching it, right? Not not just you, but keeps one from like, oh, you know, I should get back to unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. I can do that. And then when it's going away, you're like, oh, it's finally finished. Well, I, you know, I, I should hurry up and get back to it, you know, now that it's done. Maybe that is the new strength that Netflix can have is mm -hmm. is is the credible threat of taking away something you love. Like now they can cancel a thing and then bring it back the following year. And like 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 their new gig could be every year to announce it's canceled <laughs> wow. and then every year bring it back. Well, Stranger Things has been canceled. Oh, we're bringing Stranger Things back. <laughs> and this season of Kimmy Schmidt, which actually this is the second half of this final season, they and they premiered the first half almost over, almost a year ago back in May. Right. So wow. this is like kind of getting two endings in one, being able to say, okay, well, this is going to be the last season. But we're also putting out the last half of this last season next it's year. The last so, so what of the they last. do, <laughs> what they do is when they get like midway through the last episode, they cut it off, and they're like the last half of the last episode of the last half of the last season we'll begins in thirteen months. Maybe we'll come <laughs> do back. You think, do you think Netflix ever plays a Disney? You know how Disney famously the takes their their VHS tapes and puts them in the vault. Mm. Do you think Netflix ever does that? Like Orange is the New Black is going in the vault. It's yeah, you got to watch it now. It's tough because they've made it this far buying by being the anti-vault, right? right. By, by being a rejection so, of that. However, they have made decisions to split up seasons before. They did it with this. They did it with Orange or Arrested Development at the same time. The Get Down was split to. But like they've never just taken stuff out of out of rotation. Uh, yeah, uh, sure. Uh, sure. Like sure. the got to watch it by this date or right. it'll be gone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I hate um, if they started playing that game. Since we're talking about Netflix, we might as well get to our primary target. Why? Does that have something to do with Netflix? That would make oh. sense. Oh, <laughs> Brian, how did you guess? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, couple of things here. Uh, bear with me. Netflix uh, announced last week it's raising its prices. By the way, Netflix, if you're going to announce something, announce it on Monday so we can talk about it on the Cord Killers instead of announcing on Tuesday. Anyway, Netflix is raising its prices in the U.S. by 13%. Uh, with to 18%, kind of depending on which package you have, which is its biggest increase ever. Uh, Netflix's most popular plan will now be $13 a month. That's up from 11. Company's cheapest plan is going up to $9 a month, and the premium HD plan will go up to $16 a month from 14. This is the fourth time Netflix has raised its U.S. prices. First time that higher prices will hit all 58 million U.S. subscribers. Now, the very next day or two netflix beat estimates in its earnings 
for earnings per share, but fell below revenue expectations, which kind of shines a light. Like, hey, we know we're going to announce uh, missing revenue. Let's announce a price increase a couple of days before that so that the stockholders know we're going to make it back. Uh, the company also forecast lower than expected numbers for Q1 2019. Netflix beat expectations in subscribers, adding 1.53 million in the U.S. and 7.31 million outside the U.S. Netflix added 29 million subscribers for the entire year of 2018. That's up 33 percent over what they added in 2017. Netflix now says that they think, back of the envelope calculations, that they account for about 10 percent of the U.S. TV screen time. And they said in their shareholder letter, we compete with and lose to Fortnite more than HBO. Trying to argue that they're up against entertainment in general now. It noted when YouTube went down briefly in October that Netflix viewing and signups spiked. Netflix also released some rare numbers on their shows, uh, reporting that 80 million people watched Bird Box in the first four weeks, 20 million people watched Elite, and 10 million watched Bodyguard. Those are all in the first four weeks. The Protector and baby netflix also predicted that it would see 40 million people watching the series you and the series sex education in their first four weeks uh, okay so i guess let's let's roll stuff backwards uh, uh quick aside uh random ass dig on on hbo <laughs> just be all like uh also out of nowhere non sequitur hbo you're less relevant call than us albania six years ago we will not forget right exactly so they're playing the exact same game as hbo uh, uh, uh which original is original content and licensed movies Co correct yeah. and on top of that like uh their whole campaign was it's not tv it's hbo they're like like we are not even pretending to be part of your clubhouse television we're something uh, we're doing the cable ace awards well, and did, didn't reed hastings say we want to become hbo before hbo becomes us uh yeah, that yeah, sounds yeah. right that yeah. sounds like yeah. a very reed hastings things that if and, it wasn't and, reed it was someone else that and quickster is a great idea that's another thing that sounds <laughs> <Right>. like <him. laughs> quote, quote of reed hastings life we'll just call it quickster okay so this is an unusual move because Netflix has kept fairly quiet for a very long time about what its actual numbers of viewership are because there's uh, in the game theory, there has never been a reason for them to disclose it. Like they're not doing advertisements. They uh, everybody knows uh, that that, you know, Netflix uh, has a fine number of viewers. Um, why do you think they're bragging now? What is it? Do you think? they're gaining out of it is it is it yeah are, are they protecting their 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 uh their stock price now that is the question right there was no reason for them to release numbers before because they didn't have advertisers so why do it it would probably my guess only end up with comparisons to more successful shows so now i think what they're saying is hey uh we had 80 million people watch bird box compare that to uh, your Hollywood blockbusters uh, in their first four weeks. How, how many movies can say they had 80 million people go out at 10 bucks a pop uh, and watch a movie, right? That'd be an $800 million first four week gross. Right. Uh, again, but also you're not exactly the right numbers, but back to the envelope characterization. So yeah. my point being not that this is an $800 million movie, but Netflix has big enough numbers to win the comparison. And that to me is why they start putting it out there because for shareholders, for potential producers, for the fight with theaters, 
this is a chance for them to go, Hey, we got people watching, you know, this is, this is, these are, these are real numbers that we're generating here. So uh, it was interesting because as we were talking through the beginning part of the story, I already had my hot take uh, all lined up, which is, uh, it's fairly obvious to me that even with the price hike, it's still a a, a deal at twice the price. I mean, I, I think we have a long way to go before I would ever consider canceling Netflix. And yet, as I was having this thought, somebody in the chat said, honestly, I'm canceling Netflix after the loss of the Marvel shows and of the price hike, uh, not interested, which uh, the phrasing of that makes me strongly suspect that Snake CL is is more upset about the Marvel shows than than the price hike, because like yeah. dollar for dollar, it's still the best value uh, of, of entertainment you're going to get, right? But possibly, although now at sixteen dollars for the HD program, it's it finally has a package that's more expensive than HBO, right? Uh, what, I I don't know. This is how businesses work. <laughs> you put a product out there and you put a price on it, and at a certain point, you realize, hey, so many people are buying our product, we could raise the price and and end up making more money, especially since we're spending all this money to make all these programs. And when you do that, you know you're going to lose some people. Some people like Snake CL are going to say, hey, I was only coming from the Marvel product and you're getting rid of that thing that I loved. I'm certainly not going to pay more to get less of a thing I love. That's a reasonable thing. Goodbye. That doesn't mean that on the whole more that everyone's going to do the same thing. Netflix has successfully become diverse enough in its appeal, which was always its thing, right? We'll make a show for this person and that person in every niche that they can weather the storm better because someone else out there is really into you or really into Korean dramas or really into whatever other subgenre Netflix is targeting at them in the recommendation list and says, gosh, you know, this is still a great value for $16 a month. No worries. Yeah. I mean, especially when in some people's mind, uh, it's Netflix versus traditional cable. And it's like when you when you even begin to wrap your mind around that, it's like that's that's the brilliance of the position that Netflix is in, is that early on they had to say we're worth the money on top of cable. But increasingly people are starting to think of like either or and and once you think about it that way, they got a lot of room to grow. There's a lot more content they could do. The smartest thing Netflix did when they went into the original content game was realize that they had to be in a position for the future world where it wasn't Netflix versus cable. It was Netflix versus other content producers. That's the world. The idea of cable as an all you can eat is dying. We cover it every week. Netflix needs to be prepared to compete on the on the premise that eventually we're all going to get over this idea that we need to pay for everything. We're all going to get over this idea that if we don't have access to every TV show, we're somehow behind and we're going to start choosing the outlets we want based on who has the stuff we really love. For Snake CL, it's not Netflix because he loves the Marvel thing. Sounds like Snake CL is going to go for Disney Plus, right? Because that's where all the Marvel stuff Which is going to go. By the way, and, a, a, a quick side jag, uh, Disney Plus might be a really good reason for Netflix to start bragging and crowing very loudly about how successful by the numbers its programs are. So it could well, be, absolutely, right? Because they want to make sure that all the producers don't leave for Disney, not just the, right. the viewers, right? You, you want to still think, oh, you know, Netflix is not going to be throwing around increasingly larger numbers of dollars. So you need to be able to keep getting good people coming coming through the door for the dollars that you continue to have. And it's not a zero sum game. It's not, well, it's either Disney or Netflix, right? It's going to be 
each one of us having a different combination of channels that we want. And Netflix has put itself into the position to appeal to the largest number of people to the point that it's not going to get everyone. And, and I don't think it expects to. It just wants to get the largest number. And that's why that's another reason you see a price increase. If Netflix is like, hey, we're reaching saturation, the way we grow revenue now is to raise the price. So here's a crazy idea. Uh, have you noticed, uh, maybe this is just a me thing, but but I tend to dive into audiobooks and then finish an audiobook and then dive into get caught up on podcasts. And then I go back to some audiobooks mm -hmm. and back mm -hmm. and forth, back mm -hmm. and forth. Um, Maybe we're entering a period where, uh, you know, at any given time, it's like, okay, well, right now I'm Huluing for a bit. Uh, the, these five programs, I'm really excited to get caught up on, and now I'm I'm Amazon Priming it for a little bit, and now I'm uh, Netflixing it for a little bit. Um, do, do do you think that'll ever be a thing? Yeah, I do. I I I, I think you, the the reason they say we're up against Fortnite is to point out that there's a certain no amount of hours that each person is comfortable devoting to entertainment. And they are going to assign that based on what's the most fun. Is it playing video games? Is it listening to audiobooks? Is it listening to podcasts? Is it watching TV shows, et cetera, right? And, it, and, it, and I found this in my case too. Like I will listen to audiobooks on a walk or I'll listen to podcasts on a walk. And my walk is the time for that. Right. right. And so the and then the more I play a video game, the fewer TV shows I watch, the more TV shows I watch, the fewer video games I play. Uh, and 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 so Netflix is saying that's where Netflix has been very good at being ahead of the trend. And they're ahead of this trend of like everybody's moving towards not thinking about cable anymore, not thinking about whether Netflix gives them everything from cable anymore, not thinking about us as the place to watch movies that were in the theaters, but as a thing that's entertaining because we have a bunch of shows they like. And so we need to be as fun or more fun than video games and other things, which is, I think why they're doing Bandersnatch to sort of, again, that's not the solution, but it tests the waters of like, okay, what other things can we do to try to steal a little more of that attention from people? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried in the spirit of Bandersnatch, some kind of other experimental program where, um, uh, you know, like, 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 like Fortnite, uh, there is no story. I mean, the story is you're just watching a, it, It's, it's more of a physical place. You're hanging out in, in, in a place. I, I wouldn't be super surprised if Netflix maybe dipped a toe into the idea of having Netflix friends or the perception that you're watching something along with someone else, uh, uh, they, they, yeah, they're going to try things. I think Bandersnatch is the thing they're trying now right. that they think are going to work. If we see them come out with a view it along with your friends, then that means Netflix has got the numbers that they think, yeah, okay. This is something people are going to do. I'll be honest. If Netflix doesn't do that, it makes me think what I already think a little more, which is, I don't think that's a thing people really want to do. It's, it's a fun thing to think about, I mean, but every it, time someone's tried it, and not enough people actually participate to make it worth keep continuing. Well, keep in mind, they use the words Fortnite, but what they were really saying in this statement is uh, we don't consider HBO our competition. We consider yeah. Twitch our competition. We, right? we consider everything else out there that's popular that takes up your time. And yeah, Twitch. No, I think you're right. Like watching people play Fortnite is probably a much bigger competition for Netflix than actual playing Fortnite. It's a yeah. really good point. Huh. Uh, the other thing that is a huge competition for Netflix is that 
measly dollar that we ask from you. And we, you know what we're not doing, Brian? We're not raising our prices. We leave I, that in their hands. Well, I, uh, I mean, you know, hey, you know what? It's not even up to us to raise the prices. No, the only exactly. people who can raise the pri our prices is our bosses. Mm -hmm. All 1,366 of them pay, uh, pledging over at patreon.com slash cord killers. So you tell us, is it time for us to raise our prices and, and in so doing, give us a raise, which, you know, that'd be nice, boss, but that's up to you. So head on Listen, over to patreon.com slash cord killers. Not only do you get uh, your very own RSS feed where we talk about movies on spoiler in time and do the show all at once, but you get the super secret uh, after talk where we talk yeah. after. About things, all kinds of things. And if you are paying zero dollars right now for cord killers, you can give us an infinite raise by making it a dollar. Have you ever felt the ecstatic joy of, of giving someone a raise of infinite percentages? They're yeah. like, they're like, uh, Oh, what are you making? Eh, I don't know. How about we raise it by infinity? You can yeah. be that person. Just go to patreon.com slash cord killers. No, seriously, seriously, folks, stop right now. Pull to the <laughs> side of the road. Stop your jog. Type in patreon.com slash cord killers, give us a dollar, and then send an email to cordkillers at gmail.com saying, I just raised, I just gave you an infinite raise. Yeah, congratulations to us. Thank you uh, to you. And now, how to watch. Ah, apparently with an antenna, the number of US households without cable or satellite, but instead using over the air, rose 50% in the past eight years in the United States to 16 million homes. That's 14% of U.S. households now watching TV over the air. We're, we're on a growth trajectory with over the air for the first time in a long time. Uh, they break this down. Nielsen breaks these numbers down into two major groups. There are the people whose median age is 55, and the majority of those just do over the air. No streaming services. They're like, you know what? Done paying $100 for cable. I'm just going to watch what I get with my antenna. That's 6.6 .6 million people. They generally have a smaller median income, so they're likely just wanting to save the money. And they average more than six hours per day of television watching. Now, interestingly, the other and more numerous part of this group are median age 36. They're younger. And they have at least one streaming service that's 9.4 million people, and oddly, even though they have more choices of what to watch, they watch fewer amounts of TV show. They average less than four hours per day. Per day. Uh, and of those 9.4 million who have at least one streaming service, like a Netflix or a Hulu, 1.3 million have what we on this show call cable replacement services. They, they have uh, an industry term hasn't really been standardized, but we're talking about PlayStation View, Sling TV, YouTube TV, et cetera. Uh, skinny bundles, we've heard that bandied about, right? Yeah, although PlayStation View is not that skinny. I mean, it's yep. it's a regular old bundle. So I, I, I guess uh, uh, over the top. Uh, over the OTT. Yeah, yeah I hear yeah. that too. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that's interesting is the majority of both of these categories watch their TV on a television, not not on their phone or their laptop or whatever. So I think there is a generational habit, and this is pure speculation in my part. I'm almost certainly wrong about this, but I remember as a kid, that vague feeling of feeling connected by virtue of a television, no matter what it was displaying, just being on. Uh, 
I that changed in the last 20 years. And now, especially with the smartphone generation and the Internet and all that stuff, like that same sense of not on the outside, I'm not connected. Uh, like uh, now I value the, the, the quiet of, of nothing on in the house. Um, I, I uh, do you think it's a case where if you're in that 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 median age 55 bracket where it's like, well, I can't not have something on I mm-hmm. uh, might as you know, I don't really care what it is. I just want to know that the, you know, <laughs> 1984 style of uh, uh, connection box is running at all times. That's interesting. I hadn't thought of this uh, related to the number of kids in your house. Oh, yeah. 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 Because it doesn't work. So median age 36 are the people who either don't have kids or their kids are still young enough that having a TV on is fine. Median age 55, more likely the kids have grown up and and left the house and not make a noise. So you've got that median age between 36 and 55 where they're like, you know, it's just nice to have some quiet sometimes. (laughs) And and, and also we, you know, we've called it uh, waterfall television, that idea that at least at least something's on. I mean, there's a reason that every sports bar has a billion screens on run and you go to a a, a Chinese food place. They always have at least, you know, one television on in the corner. There's something weird about that, that like, like, hey, if, if something super important is happening you have this tether this thread to connect you to it and and i think that uh yeah. that's the only reason like like if you, if if you just want that 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 vague sense that you know you don't care what flavor the waterfall is as long as the waterfall is running that's all that matters it's, it's it's funny i noticed this recently and i'm i'm almost 50 so i'm i'm like right on the edge of one of these groups but i noticed recently when i had more downtime over the holiday break I found myself more often deciding to just turn on some sports for that very reason. I wanted that waterfall television. I wasn't necessarily going to watch. I was turning on hockey games between, you know, teams that I don't follow because I just wanted to have something on. But as I got busier right after the first of the year, I found myself doing that less often because when I had a break, I either had something particular I wanted to watch or I just didn't want to have anything on. So, yeah, I, I think it does have to do with. You know, do you just want to be able to turn something on in the background and you don't care what it is? I got to give a massive tip of the hat to uh, Logan WTF, who says, am watching from a sports bar, can confirm, immediately qualifies saying, also, I guess I'm watching you guys on Twitch. <laughs> so <laughs> now, thank you. If you can get him to put us on Twitch on the screen <laughs> on at the, the sports there bar. There you go. <laughs> that's when we've entered a new era right there. Uh, so yeah, I guess, uh, over the air, man. Um, I, I think I, I like to flatter myself that we are a little bit ahead of the curve. And, and for years I was doing over the air to supplement along with Netflix and Hulu. And uh, now I've just gone, you know what? I live, I'm lucky enough to live in a big market where all the major broadcast channels are available on PlayStation view. And so I found myself just not using the over the air channels all that often because it was just easier to stay on the device that I was in. And and I think eventually these services will get there. I know right now, not all markets are that lucky. Some markets only have one or two of the broadcast channels on these services, on these over the top services. But eventually I think they'll get that worked out. They'll all be there. And then people will start to do the same thing. And I think maybe then we see over the air start to decline again, especially as that upper uh upper group starts to age out a little bit well and and there is something very very seductive about the uh, complete lack of a uh, monthly subscription when it comes to over the air stuff the idea that that it's like look if all you want is is like we talk about the single tether to uh, the cultural gestalt happening right now that's free and and it's it's raining soup 
Yeah. Uh, so get out your soup umbrellas, folks, and let's talk about what to watch yep. in Under oh, Surveillance. Yeah. It's all about Kind of see. I think I want tomato soup with some grilled cheese hail. Uh, wait. Uh, what are you, Lord Miller? Uh, <laughs> what is this? Ten years ago? What's going on here? Uh, yeah. Let's talk about what's coming out in July, July fifth, to be exact. Spider-Man: Far From Home. The trailer dropped last week and has been thoroughly examined by the internet for clues uh, because they didn't drop any hints about what date. This happened. So we all know that Marvel has said, and we believe them, that this happens after Avengers Endgame, which, spoiler alert, would mean Spider-Man somehow is alive again. But as we've learned in Into the Spider-Verse, there can be many Spider-Men out there. So who knows? Maybe this is an alternate Spider-Man. Probably not, though. He probably comes back to life. But uh, they, they were nice in this trailer about not leaving any real significant clues other than the presence of Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, they did give a certain clue, which is they're not above the most obvious trope in a sequel ever, which is to just do the previous one in Europe for some <laughs> contrived reason. Do you think that's what going to end up being? Like, I, I mean, it's it's yeah. European vacation, and I'm like, I'm like, okay, uh, all right. Uh, but okay. what about Mysterio? Um, give Mysterio. They 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 were very light on details with that. They certainly portrayed him as being. Um, you know, or at least outwardly trying to make himself look like a good guy, which which I think is an interesting idea. Um, well, and that's Mysterio. Like he's he's Silver Age. He's from that very first year, I think, of, of Spider-Man comics, and you never quite knew if he really was a villain or not. So yeah, I think that's it. Sure. Uh, I, I I wonder. I have no basis for this. Uh, this is pure speculation. But uh, at the heart of Mysterio. There's how he wants you to perceive him. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a really interesting way to play with the current ongoing existential crisis we're having about what social media, what we outwardly project about ourselves, because you'll notice in this trailer, you're like, oh, my God, he's like blank meets blank. It, like they're already positioning him the way you would pitch to uh, uh, TV folks or whatever. I, I would love it if they played in that space and found some clever commentary to give to us. Hulu has announced it canceled the first. That was its series about a family preparing to travel to Mars uh, that starred Sean Penn. So, you know, had, had some star power, but uh, apparently not enough to make him want to keep paying to make it. I, I, I don't know how to feel about this because on the one hand, um, you know, this sounds like a show. I, I like talent. Uh, I like uh, Sean Penn's uh, uh, acting chops. I like Mars and I like stories about going to Mars. Um, however, I also like uh, companies that are proving that they're serious enough about their brand's reputation that they're willing to cut projects rather than just push them straight through. So, so weirdly, yeah. weirdly, I'm not thrilled that this happened to be cut, but, but I am, I am in favor of this habit of, of like, it's gotta be good enough to represent Hulu or not at all. And, and it's not like they don't have things in the hopper. They have a mini series of catch 22. Uh, they have a couple of shows being set in George R. R. Martin's superhero universe, wild cards. And if you like Mars, they have another season of Veronica Mars coming different, different Mars. But, um, yeah, I uh, did you watch the first? The the first what? The, the name the first, of the show that you just oh, talked about. No, nope, not at all. Did, <laughs> totally didn't. 
Yeah. Did you know it was called the first? Nope. 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 Yeah. I think that it just explained because I'm the same way. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. This is gone. I like Sean Penn. I like uh, things about Mars. Didn't watch it either. Yep. So there's your problem. Deadline says Netflix is going to bring back Unsolved Mysteries, which I didn't realize still like was playing up till 2010. Uh, they're going to do 12 episodes. Uh, Stranger Things producer Sean Levy will oversee the show. So there you go. This sounds so fun. This sat like like what an iconic uh, institution that was. It was it was in a world before creepy pasta, our only place to get creepy pasta. It was great. Uh, uh, and especially my guess is there's no reason for me to be overly excited about the association with the what, what did you say? Uh, uh, Stranger Things producer Sean Levy. Yeah. Right. But but uh, but for some reason, all those words sound like magic to me. Can't wait to hear about ghost stories and demons. Yeah, I never watched an episode of it. Ever. What? Never? Yeah. yeah. Nope. Well, yeah, you were never 12, were you? No, I was 12. I was watching In Search Of. Oh, uh, oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right mm. Steve Carell will star in a Netflix comedy called Space Force about people tasked with creating the sixth branch of the armed services. Uh, Carell's also producing the series along with the office producer and creator, Greg Daniels. How do you feel about this? I have no idea how I feel about it yet. I mean, if you tell me Steve Carell, I'm like, like, like Steve Carell, like a lot. He produced Angie Tribeca, love Angie Tribeca, funny guy, like things he's been in. Greg Daniels, great job on The Office, worked with Steve Carell, sounds so good so far. S comic about Space Force, like comedy about space could be good. Show me a trailer because right now it's just a little tease. It doesn't. That's show you the bummer, right? Is is I uh, when the when the uh, uh, the trailer is just you know Pond Five stock footage and words. <laughs> you know, it's like uh, okay, all right, I'll reserve judgment. And they said coming soon, so it implies that we'll get it this year. Yeah. Uh, which means either they're rushing it or I mean something. I, don't know. I guess I guess something about the cheapness of this teaser made mm -hmm. me instantly perceive oh i get it they're never going to be in space this is going to be a bunch of people in a boardroom telling stories Planning. asking what they're supposed yeah. to do in space yeah oh it's going to be the office it's going to be a group of people in it's an office be a, trying to... a bureaucracy trying yeah. to, to be relevant you hasn't, know and uh, go ahead. hasn't netflix said that the office is one of their most popular titles yeah yeah you know i mean it's probably more of a long marketing play of like just announcing a new show so people know that it's coming so before we even get like a teaser or anything. Yeah. 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 Uh, Variety says Apple has a first look deal with Ron Howard and Brian Grazer's Imagine documentaries. Uh, so another thing to throw in the pile, Apple will have high quality documentaries. Apple TV, there. it's going to be the biggest thing, Tom. It's going to be great. It's going to be <laughs> I great. I don't know, Brian. I'm skeptical. <laughs> Call me when it launches. <laughs> Uh, Jason Reitman, uh, who did Up in the Air and Juno, uh, is going to direct a new Ghostbusters movie. This will be set in the same universe as the first three, unlike the previous Ghostbusters movie, which was a reboot. Uh, if you don't recall, Jason's dad, Ivan Reitman, directed the first Ghostbusters movie, and this new one will come in summer 2020. Did I did I hear right? There was like Twitter beef over this about like, uh, why do we need to have another one? We just did another one. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Leslie Jones got upset about it. I, I, I didn't see what she she wrote so i shouldn't really say she got upset but apparently she said some things about it um and leslie jones was in the the reboot um there there is certainly a world i can imagine where you can have an all-female reboot of ghostbusters that's not in the same universe as the original and 
have a new movie in the same universe as the original and all, both of them be fantastic. So I don't see why it has to be a problem, but this is the world we live in. Yeah. Yeah. Variety says Christopher McQuarrie has been hired to write and direct the next two Mission Impossible movies. He's done the last two. Uh, they'll shoot back to back for release in summer 2021 and 2022, which means you'll get Tom Cruise every summer since Top Gun's coming out in 2020. Um. Okay. Uh, okay. So you are you not a big Mission Impossible fan? Do you you don't you know, go see them every time they come it, out? Or? Uh, my my favorite movies are uh, movies that have something they're trying to say underneath the surface, and I got that. Uh, it's okay, Brian. You don't have to justify it. Re recent example would be you know like a you know Spider Man into the Spider Verse. You I could probably come up with three things it was saying besides let's defeat Kingpin. Whereas the the Mission Impossible movies quite literally only seem to be about uh, getting the thing, you know, like you save the world. You are not wrong. I, 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 you know, you know, like, uh, there, there is no lore. You do not go need to go back and rewatch the, the others before you watch them. They are merely something to sit and enjoy, uh, not to think about. I will, I will totally agree with you. I still enjoy the hell out of them. They're like a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which which what's funny is all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, you notice how like, uh, you know, like the branded uh, 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 universal roller coaster rides that have a deeper story tend to be more fun and exciting. Uh, anyway, that's I keep wanting things to be more than they are. That's fine. I will just let you have that one. No, that's fine. Uh, Bandersnatch stats, because I know you started some more Bandersnatch. 60% uh, of people decided to give him frosties in the part that Brian doesn't like, where you pick something that doesn't really matter the story. Uh, people in Britain were slightly less likely to throw tea <laughs> humorously because Brits like tea. 73% chose to accept the job at Tuckersoft uh, and an ending where Stefan goes on the train with his mother was the least traveled path of the five different endings that they had. I like to be tortured by narratives I don't like to have responsibility for the torturing I'm experiencing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure I will never finish Bandersnatch. I will That's, intend you not, to then. get around yeah, to it. It's not for you. Yeah. I wonder if any, and I, I dare say choose your own adventure since the people who create that book are suing <laughs> Netflix for using the phrase it's like a choose your own adventure, which is ridiculous. You you get to say it's like a thing that exists if you're not trying to anyway. Uh, but I, I wonder if anything where you have to take responsibility will ever be something you'll want to do. Uh, unless it's a video game that gives you all the responsibility. Unless, right? This unless, kind of half measure seems to be something that's not up your alley. Now, here's the funny part is on the on on the flip side. Um, I could picture a even more deeply interactive thing where it's like I make the wrong decision. And then I start getting the emails and the tweets and if uh, like it becomes uh, the game with with uh, Michael Douglas or whatever, where it's like like now all of a sudden, if it's an ARG where I'm deeply regretting having made the wrong decision, that could be a beautiful piece of art that I would really, really enjoy. Wait, yeah. but your whole thing was that you didn't want to feel like a fool for picking something. Correct. Bad. Um, I, I, but again, I, so something that would emulate that, though, would be video entertainment just for whatever reason runs a different heuristic in my mind. I, I just expect different things from it. It's, it's really wild. It's all about expectations. It, it, pretty much everything is. 
Yeah. Like what, what we enjoy is, is entirely about expectations. It's one of the hardest things I've had to wrap my head around, uh, because things that used to drive me crazy at one point I decided like, you know what? I'm not going to expect this to be something it's not. And I started enjoying them and foods are the same way. Like that it's crazy how malleable your tastes can be if you mess with them. Yeah. You, and, and you can hack your own tastes. Lon makes a, a very fairly in the chat says, but Brian loves his telltale games. I think part of it is because I know that none of the decisions really change anything. All, all it changes is the flavor of, of how the same end scene comes about. Yeah, makes a difference. And and Netflix is working with Telltale on stuff, so it'll be interesting to see what they do together. All right, what else you had your eyes on, Brian? Uh, all the usual suspects. I uh, watched uh, Dirk Gently, watched the latest uh, Counterpart. I watched uh, The Good Place. We'll talk about all those in spoiler in time. I watched both of the Fire documentaries. Uh, fire, uh, the what was the greatest party that never happened, I think. Yep, and uh, Fire Fraud. And Fire Fraud. Um, going to give the nod to Hulu. I watched it, the Hulu one first, and then the Netflix one. I think the Hulu one was better, but I can't tell if I only think that because that was the first one I watched. And uh, and uh, as we just talked about, I, I, I really tried to care about Bandersnatch. Yeah. Uh, I You feel about uh, Bandersnatch the way I feel about fire. <laughs> really? No I have no interest in watching those. I'm, I'm glad you and Bryce are watching them uh, so that I don't have to. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's fascinating to watch a train wreck. Uh, and I and I suppose almost certainly that has to be colored by, you know, me spending 20 years touring, doing live shows. Certainly. And, you yeah. know, if, if smelling train wrecks as they're approaching and having been involved with some. Like I've been the sucker holding the bag. I, I have experienced the experience of being one of the chumps uh, who got booked for the fire festival. And uh, uh, it's it, it, it was fascinating seeing seeing it through all, all that perspective. Now, I uh, have continued. I watched the third episode of True Detective this weekend. Uh, it doesn't sound like you started it yet, but I cannot change my my recommendation uh, at all. It is it is still great. Oh, good. Uh, and I don't know if it's going to end up being as good as the first season, but it's already way better than the second. Right on. OK, well, good. Well, I look forward to having something to burst through and, and get hopefully I'll get caught up on that. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is a Korean show called W, which is kind of hard to explain. I did a really crappy job of trying to explain it the other day. So I'm going to try to make it better. But it's set up about a comic book. There's a character in a comic book whose family is killed and he's framed for the murder and then he gets out and it's like the super most popular comic book uh, in the country. And the writer of the comic book's daughter is training to be a doctor uh, goes to see her dad because her boss at the hospital really is a fan. And so she's going to try to, you know, get in his good graces by asking her dad for some stuff, but her dad's missing. When she goes into her dad's office to figure out what's going on, she gets pulled into the comic book where the main character is dying. So she saves him, thus changing the end of the comic book series and gets thrown back into her own universe and her dad shows back up and is like, what the hell happened? That was that was supposed to be the end of the comic book series. And it goes on from there with her living in these two worlds. And when she's in the comic book universe, she has no identity. She has no history. Uh, and it's it's really, really compelling. I'm super enjoying it. 
wild. And this is a what a Netflix original or or, or what? No, how it's, are you uh, watching? It's it? on. I'm watching it on Viki. Okay, it's a it's a uh, Korean network made it. Dude, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's called W because that's the name of the of the comic book, uh, and it's it's well acted and, and well done. So if you if you feel like downloading Vicky, you can uh, watch it for free. I think, although Eileen paid for the tears, so now I can't tell anymore what's free and what's not. Uh, what should we be on the lookout for, Bryce? Hey, we got a letter from uh, Tim. Excuse me, Tim, uh, who had a pick for the whole family. He wrote, uh, "Hey, Bryce, I found the trailer above on the YouTube's. It looks like Netflix has the rights to not only a new Carmen Sandiego animated series, but also a live action feature film of the famous 1980 to 1999 thief, popularized by an educational computer game. Gina Rodriguez voices and will voices the uh, the cartoon and will star in the feature film as well. Tim D, an overall nice fellow. Thanks, Tim. I actually watched." Uh, uh, the first episode of this uh, today on Tim's Tim's recommendation, I really enjoyed the first episode that I saw of this. Uh, they definitely do like in the very first minute say, "Who on earth is Carmen San Diego?" And then like <laughs> two minutes later say, "Where on earth is Carmen San Diego?" But uh, it is it is a serialized story, partly about her origin stories and growing up on Vile Isle, an island that houses a campus. Uh, for uh, kids to grow up to be thieves, um, and it's it's fun. I think I think if if you got a kid who can you know follow a serialized story, you know a continuing story, I think there's just enough meat here to be really interesting for for the family. I mean, they they show off in just the first episode a bunch of different like character foils for Carmen, including like the people she went up through school with, and and. Uh, the the instructors and like there's a lot of really good world building and character building here. So I I I think that like this I, I'm I'm probably gonna end up watching the rest of the season. But this seemed like a home run. Okay, so of my daughters, Callie, Josie, and Penny, okay. which ones would be into this? Um, who should I pitch it to? Okay, so it's it's very actiony. Yeah, it's a little quippy. Yeah. Um, I bet Josie or Penny would probably be into it. It might be too much for Callie. Like, really? Callie's probably too young. Okay. But I but I don't know if she can follow a story between episodes or not. Right on. Um, but it's it seems it seems really cool. And then I'm I don't know what they do with the live action film, also starring the same woman who is voicing Carmen San Diego. Huh. But that that's to be determined. We, we that is not out yet. So, uh, Carmen San Diego. There are nine episodes. They're half hours, and they're streaming now on Netflix. If you got something we should be on the lookout for, email us cordkillers at gmail.com. Do it now and then go buy the new Night Attack album. Hells yeah. Night Attack album number five, our fifth album. Uh, look, this one's a different story. Can you believe it? Uh, 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 this is a love letter to what happens when when uh, a fan is talented beyond words and, and just deserves all of the credit in all the planet. Like, yes, it's a Night Attack album, but you got to understand, if you don't listen to Night Attack every single week, we say a lot of stuff never intending for it to be music, but instead it's made into music by the incredibly talented Stephen Cogswell, who has made all of these a uh, minute to three minute long tracks. And uh, we picked his, we asked him like, what are your favorites? And we, we did interstitials on there. It is, it is a fun, fun, breezy, uh, 50 minute ride. And best part is uh, the prices should be fixed at launch tomorrow. They're going to be low price, low priced. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, uh, oh yeah. Cause I just realized I was, I was, I was admitting 
leading to price fixing. <laughs> what I meant was I was repairing. We They're going to be low price, so you can buy multiple copies, <laughs> gift copies for friends. Exactly, and on multiple platforms. So if you have like, uh, you know, uh, you like some stuff over in the Amazon ecosystem, buy it there on the Google Play Store, on the uh, iTunes, uh, all of it. Uh, the gift we want to give him is, uh, man, oh man, would it be great for us to launch this thing as a number one best-selling Billboard charting comedy album? He deserves it. He's so talented. He's so talented. It's amazing. And uh, if uh, this will be our first time putting them on streaming services. So if you, even if you go and buy it on different services you don't use, you, and you're like someone like me who listens to stuff on Spotify, you can still support the album elsewhere and then listen to it uh, on streaming services. It's, it's called cool. All's Well, a Night Attack album. Uh, uh, Bit.ly slash Night Attack album to get on the email list. We're going to send out links when it's up in America. Uh, let everyone know when to push the button. Um, but if you're listening to that after the fact, uh, it's probably available now. Please go buy it, please. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, is my is my embargo lifted? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I just want to say I listened to the whole album last week, and I give it 1,000 stars out of five. <gasps> oh, oh, man. He wow. broke the system. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, it's, <laughs> I, I just had to give an honest an honest yeah. rating. What was uh, What was your favorite track? Oh, I haven't listened to it. No. Oh, right. <laughs> What was my favorite track? Uh, oh, my my favorite track is the spoiler. It's, oh, the special track that we haven't shared. It's the song oh, written yep. by your daughter. The another. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Got it, got it, got it, got it. That yep. one's great. I love. I actually love. I was actually a little sad we played this on the show last Tuesday because I love it and I think it's the best start to the album. But balls deep, the second track right after the intro, is so great because it 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 it's it's a really great piano song and it starts for like a minute or two before like the joke comes in yes it's, it's so good it's just it's the perfect starter for the album it's amazing <laughs> excellent folks go check it out let's get on to the front lines front lines Amazon's going to ship the Fire TV stick with the new version of its voice remote that it launched last autumn. Uh, the remote can control more than just the Fire TV. That's It can do all the voice stuff, but it can also control by Bluetooth and, and, and multi-infrared, your other things like your sound bar. And previously, that remote was only available with the Fire TV stick 4K. So if you don't need 4K, now you can get the Fire TV stick and still get the new remote. Uh, meanwhile, Sling TV will make personalized suggestions for what to watch on its Apple TV app. It'll eventually roll out onto other platforms. A recommended for you section will show up in the My TV section. Oh, yeah. Trying to get a little smarter about that. Philo is rolling out a feature to let people with the service watch shows together from different locations. Hey, oh, hold on. When it launches, users will be able to get a link that they can text to a friend inviting them to watch. Then the friend opens the link on their phone and then can cast the show to their Philo app on their television. I'm not going to lie. Even as I said, that's something I want. Uh, you know, I immediately thought like, you know, Xbox had that and 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 just people don't seem to use it. Uh, so yeah. it's it's a demo. I call it a demo feature, something that really impresses us all when they demonstrate it and go, that's so cool. And then nobody ever uses it. There is it's an like audience for the those. first from Hulu. There is an audience for this, though. There are services like Rabbit that are out there that are about sharing a stream of, of yeah I'm not something. saying nobody does it yeah. but I don't know if it's enough to be a difference maker mm, yeah. ESPN yeah. Plus now makes personalized recommendations and offers offline viewing of non-game content like 30 for 30 uh, that's really interesting as ESPN uh, pivots from a brand that means just news of a particular flavor uh, and instead becomes analysis and storytelling of uh, in a particular genre 
Yeah, and I think ESPN Plus is their Trojan horse. That's their strategy is slowly we'll move ESPN to ESPN Plus uh, without threatening our existing cable uh, revenue stream. Yeah, I think you're right. A source told CNBC that Walmart is stopping work on a competitor for Netflix and Hulu and will put all its streaming TV efforts back into Vudu. There is a media executive out there who is pitching this idea to Walmart, and the idea is a conservative alternative to Netflix, something uh, marketed to middle America. And that media executive is now in talks with Costco, so we might see something show up from Costco soon. That's so weird. Like, like is Netflix uh, perceived to be an overly liberal place to watch uh, um, Black Mirror episodes? Nah, I don't it's a lot know of, about It's a lot of adult think, content, a lot of yeah, violent content. Netflix okay. is used as the generic for an alt, a, a streaming service. I wrote that. They didn't write that. Okay, okay. So so if you're going to pick on the, on the words, pick on me. Yeah. Uh, they're saying... Hollywood controls Hulu and all the things we want to come up with one. Basically, it's just saying, you know what? We need a Fox News uh, because Netflix is HBO. Got it. Uh, Stanford nonprofit academic research study has launched a streaming service called Puffer that uses AI to improve uh, videos, uh, video streaming algorithms. Six Bay Area TV stations are streamed on the on the free service to 500 participants. The work is open source and viewable at GitHub. What what does it mean to have an AI uh, like basically an, what an AI programming director is what we're looking so, at? So in other words, they're going to use machine learning yeah. uh, to improve the the streaming of the video. We're not talking about the programming. They're just taking six local TV stations and streaming them to you. The, the machine learning is figuring out like, when is this stream messed up and what could we have done to prevent it from being messed up so that you always get a perfect stream. Got it. And uh, you know, so it's, it's the, it's the streaming manager. It's making the streaming a little smarter. All right, let's get to the dispatches from the front. Anthony wants to know what the best way to watch C-SPAN on the Apple TV is without cable. And I went to cordcutting.com and found that DirecTV Now is the best way to watch C-SPAN on the Apple TV without cable. Uh, it is the only one of these bundled services that that has C-SPAN available as part of its uh, service. Uh, I guess YouTube has a bunch of C-SPAN stuff on there, so it sometimes live streams uh, C-SPAN, but DirecTV Now is the only one that actually carries the the full channel. It, sa- it sounds to me the tricky part is is watch on the Apple TV, because I assume that the, there's a C-SPAN and you just go to the website or whatever yeah, and find yeah, a live yeah, feed no, or exactly. whatever. Um, and, and, and get, I think what they do on their website is also sometimes slightly different from what they put out on the cable channel for whatever reason. So, but you can get a C-SPAN app. I think, eh, I don't want to say that cause I'm probably wrong, but, um, there are other ways to get it. And honestly, we're not a Q and a show. So go to cordcutting.com. <laughs> we'll put the link in the show notes. Meanwhile, Brian writes us saying, Hey, Tom and Brian really enjoy the show. Been a patron since the beginning. Now that the intro's out of the way, I want to suggest you watched Spaced, the 1999 series from Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright. As many of their signature techniques and tropes as sort of a, fo- a proto Shaun of the Dead, but without the zombies. It's only two seasons long for a total of uh, uh, 14, 24 minute episodes. Watched it years ago using a less than legal means right after Shaun of the Dead came out, but now it's available on Prime Video and Hulu. If you started to watch it, I'd probably revisit it to see how the show has aged. I gotta tell you, I 
started watching these. I think I watched uh, three or four episodes maybe five years ago, and mm -hmm. it was long enough that you could just tell, uh, oh, this has all become de rigueur. You know, it's it's yeah. it, all of it like 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 I'm sure this was this was amazing for its time and that nobody was doing this. It was it's a little bit like going back and watching Kevin Smith early work uh, before the whole world was speaking in uh, comic book cliches. Yeah, I agree. I, I think around the same time you did, and probably because you were doing it, I also I also started watching Space. I think it was on Netflix at the time. Yeah. And I just stopped because <laughs> I was like, I didn't have anything where I'm like, this is bad. I would watch it and go and and you explained it very well. I'm like, yeah, that would have been really funny in 99. Like, you know, not not wrong, but it just didn't hold my interest. So I doubt we'll revisit that one. Uh, we got another email here from Dave Easter, who says, one thing I really love about this new streaming age is the availability of classic television shows. I just recently finished watching all the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, and I'm working my way through Stargate SG-1 with my daughter. Not too long ago, the only way to watch these shows would have been to get the DVDs, and now they're just a few clicks away. I think one of these old shows would be a great for a library watch, but I don't think anyone wants it last for years. I would like to make the suggestion that maybe you pick just a few episodes from one of these shows, maybe like the top 10 Next Generation shows as voted by the fans. Every Star Trek episode that deals with the Mirror Universe or 10 fan favorite episodes of X-Files. Uh, what do you what do you think, Brian? I, 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 mean, I think I think this opens up a possibility that previously was just not even on the table because we have mm -hmm. so many people who are like, uh, God, watch Babylon five. It'll only take you seven years and eventually it'll feel good. Uh, and then um, I'm sorry, all of you Babylon five people. Uh, but 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 it's like, well, that's a non-starter. We're not going to do that. But the idea of a curated uh, 10 episode experience, mm -hmm. I would be very open to, to, uh, either re-exploring, uh, whether it be Star Trek, whether it even be Babylon five, if you could reduce all of Babylon five to exactly, if you could do a machete cut of, of just 10 episodes and, and look me in the eye and tell me this is the definitive, uh, Babylon five experience. I'd, I'd be interested in that too. I'll be honest. I would not want to do it with Babylon five. I agree. Because I have never seen Babylon 5 and I don't want to watch a bunch of episodes when I intend to eventually watch it. I would do it with Star Trek and I think Star Trek is one of the few where we could just say like what are the 20 greatest Star Trek episodes? Original series, Enterprise, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, like I, – I, and I like the idea of the mirror – like all the mirror universe, you know, stuff like that. I, I'm on the fence. Like we watched the entire S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, and it was how how many seasons was that? Like that was six, seven. seven? Yeah. Yeah. It took, so, it took us a couple of years. Yeah. I wouldn't want to do it with a series that is, I don't know. I, I, I I'm kind of on the fence on a series that isn't a sprawling universe like Star Trek is, but I think it's perfect for Star Trek. Cause you're right. It would take forever to try to get through all of that stuff. Yeah. And, and it provides you enough and we've all seen it enough that it's kind of cool to just go back and cherry pick cool episodes like that. Well, especially if it gives us a specific lens to look through, like, uh, you know, uh, imagine 10 episodes 
um, you know, one to two as exemplars of, uh, you know, seasons, uh, you know, each of the seasons. And then uh, and then it's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize how much this changed. And, you know, this is the first time I think I, I realized that the uh, the I don't know, because like 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 I think back to weird moments like the first time you meet the Ferengi. They're, they're just weird cartoons. They're hilarious, totally. right? Yeah. And then they eventually figure they're out what like they're doing. doing with this it. with their fingers. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and constantly, <laughs> we love gold and latinum. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then by the end of Deep Space Nine, they're just people. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, I think there might be something there, but, but we need you guys to pitch it to us. So hit us up at cordkillers at gmail.com. Yeah, and we've got another good email from Norm uh, about directly about the Larry Sanders show. If you don't listen to Spoiler in Time, uh, we we basically set up that Larry Sanders show would be our next one, unless you can convince us otherwise. So we'll get to Norm's email uh, and carry on this conversation in Spoiler in Time. But that is it for Cord Killers, Brian. Yeah, good times. Our- Website is cordkillers.com. Our email address is cordkillers at gmail.com. We're live on twitch.tv slash night attack, which is also carried on diamondclub.tv Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. See you again next week. Hey guys, Brian and Tom here, and it's just the same old message at the end of the credits, just like always. That's right, Brian. Nothing new here except your name showing up. Oh my gosh, I've got a name. Because you just supported us on Patreon. Yeah, all those $5 donors, look at that. That's your name in pixels. We're going to make you famous, kid. Put your name in pixels on the internet. There's names in there, but some of you are new. Some of you aren't there. It's sad. What can they do, Brian? I mean, they could go to patreon.com slash cordkillers and pledge $5 an episode to be one of these amazing people, like this one. Oh, look look at that name right there. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>